The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. Welcome to Made for Another World podcast, where we hope to keep each other, and hopefully you too, on the path to another world, one we were made for, with Aaron Alvarado and me, Jacob Simmons. Episode 12, The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness by Tim Keller. Tim is the founding pastor of Redeemer Presbyterian Church in Manhattan, which he started in 1989 with his wife, Kathy, and three young sons. He served as its pastor for 28 years until 2017 when he transitioned to a professor role with Reformed Theological Seminary. And Tim starts out in this book by saying, What are the marks of a heart that has been radically changed by the grace of God? If we trust in Christ, what should our hearts be like? It is not simply a matter of morally virtuous behavior— It is quite possible to do all sorts of morally virtuous things when our hearts are filled with fear, with pride, or with a desire for power. We're talking about hearts that have been changed at the root by the grace of God and what that looks like in real life. To do so, the book focuses on a section of Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 3, 21 through 4, 7. 1 Corinthians gives us an approach to self-regard an approach to the self and way of seeing ourselves that is absolutely different from both traditional and modern, postmodern contemporary cultures. Utterly different. The three things that Paul shows us are, number one, the natural condition of the human ego. Number two, the transformed sense of self, which Paul had discovered and can be brought about through the gospel. And number three, how to get that transformed sense of self. It's good to me. That he mentions, uh, it's not simply a matter of morally virtuous behavior. So what does a changed heart look like? Not necessarily doing good things and and doing the right thing, Mm. although that is probably part of it. Uh, And then he says, because you can do those things with fear. You can do those things out of uh, an improper motivation. Because I've seen that in my own life. There's there's thousands of reasons I can do the right thing, hardly ever. is it just because I'm a Christian? There are things that I do, uh, that I naturally do, that are part of my new heart, the new self that God has given me. But yeah. I find myself a lot of times doing things just because I'm like, oh, that'll make me feel better, or that will make me look good, that will help me to keep up this facade, that will you know fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. So I like that he starts this off by saying, well, you can do all that, and that's not necessarily showing you what God has done in your heart. Right. Right. And I think we all probably know people who aren't believers, aren't Christians, you know, maybe whether it's the, they're just shallow believers, or maybe they're even atheists, they don't believe in God at all, um, but still do good things, you know? I mean, right. that's, I, I know plenty of people like that, and right. obviously that's not because they've had a changed heart. Uh, <laughs> they find that there's something, for some reason, there's some reason... They find that there is some reason to do something good. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, he, he makes a good point. Like, that's that's not always just because of your changed heart. It's, you know, th- you, people can find a reason to be good 
even though there's plenty of arguments against that, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> if we want to go too deep, but, you know. Isn't this the place for it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> well, uh, to then get into, and, and he says, uh, he says he'll, he'll go through First Corinthians. We're obviously not going to be able to go through all of that with him together. Uh, but the next part of what he does say is in verse 6, Paul urges the Corinthians to have no more pride in one person over another. Nothing new, we may think. Of course, pride is inappropriate. But we need to realize that the word Paul uses here for pride is not the normal hubris word for pride, but physio. By using this particular word, Paul is trying to teach these Corinthians something about the human ego. This word used here for pride literally means to be overinflated, swollen, distended beyond its proper size. It is related to the word for bellows. It is very evocative. It brings to mind a rather painful image of an organ in the human body, an organ that is distended because, of, because so much air has been pumped into it, so much air that it is overinflated and ready to burst. It is swollen, inflamed, and extended past its proper size. And that, Paul says, is the condition of the natural human ego. Mm. Mine's not. Mine's regular. Yeah, I'm not overinflated. Yeah, it's properly. Perfectly inflated. Yeah. <laughs> like a basketball with just, just the right enough bounce. Yes. Yeah. Well, good. I'm proud of you, man. Oh, well, and you know that that never happens. You know, you can't. <laughs> when it's just not enough bounce to it. So yeah. uh, that's a, hopefully it's, it's clear that that was a joke. <laughs> I, I think it's a good picture, though, mm-hmm. because that's kind of what the what the ego does mm-hmm. you you my dad used to say uh whenever my mom sweet mom would uh tell me after a soccer game you're like oh you did such a great job on that save or uh that you know whatever fill in the blank and uh dad would say all right that's enough his head <laughs> won't be able to fit through the door because like, <laughs> you get big-headed about it uh-huh. your ego gets inflated uh-huh. uh when so using that like Paul used this in the Greek. That comes from Paul. Then. I guess my dad was very biblical when <laughs> he said go. that. Yeah. Uh, but to to point out that that Paul uses it as uh, it's a an organ that mm. is distended. Like it's not supposed to be inflated to to that degree. Right. Uh, I thought that that was very interesting. Yeah. And you have to be careful too when it comes to to ego and because I mean it's almost like. It's almost like uh, like a drug, you know. I mean, the, the 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 bigger your ego gets, like there's something got something grew that ego. Like for instance, if you're playing soccer and someone's like, "Man, you did a really good job," like, okay, it may grow a little bit. And then the more you hear that, the bigger your ego gets, and the more you like it, right? It's not. I mean, your ego is not growing because you don't like it, right. and so you got to be careful because it's it, it could almost be addicting. I guess maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's like a drug. It's like a you know, the the bigger it gets, the bigger you want it to get and continue to grow and grow and grow. It's not like, ah, my ego grew this much. Now I'm I'm good. I'm content. Mm-hmm. Like it's very easy to just want to continue, continue. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't have that problem either. Just like you, yeah. Very, just yeah. Yeah. So yeah. we really don't need to read this. Yeah. Book. Well, yeah. Just throw it in the trash. Yeah. I don't even. Yeah. We're done. But it is it is <laughs> called the freedom of self forget forgetfulness uh-huh. yeah. uh and so so i think kind of in this portion of the book he's he's pointing out uh 
the self is there. We, right. we need to forget it, but he's pointing out, like, it's, it's so inflated. Like, the mm. human ego, the sinful, fallen human ego mm. is there. It's giant, and it's a problem. It's, yeah. it's overinflated. Whereas, I think the point of the book, which maybe we'll get into a little bit, but uh, is to forget yourself. And there's freedom there. Mm. There's, as, as you and I both know, when, you have, when you've overeaten... For, we're coming up on Thanksgiving, when you've overeaten mm. for weeks and weeks and weeks, and then you eat a proper meal for the next few days, you feel better. Mm. You feel like, man, I'm not just sitting on the couch doing nothing. I feel a little bit better. Yeah. It's that, like there's freedom in that. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a, a good way to, to hopefully, I, I think, we'll, we'll see in the rest of the <laughs> book, but uh, it's a good way to bring about that, diagnose the issue at, at the at the front, right. what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I gotcha. Hopefully so. Hmm. We shall see. Yeah, I was trying to think of an analogy, but I don't know if I don't know if I did. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was thinking like you kind of hit on it, but like the the freedom of self forgetfulness, mm-hmm. like if we forget ourselves. Um, so the opposite side of that, obviously, is is your ego. But the freedom in that is like if if you don't keep just comparing it to the to the ego, but like if, if if you don't if you forget yourself and your ego doesn't inflate or whatever, you get rid of that ego. Uh, it's when, when your ego is growing, it's easy to be. Mm, I think this is right. <laughs> it's easier to be you can to be hurt, you know, because you have such a big ego, and then all it takes is one person to say, "Actually, you're not that great at soccer, dude." <sighs> you know what I mean? Like that. But if you're already humbled, if you are forgetting yourself and there isn't that inflated ego, then you're like, yeah, man, you're right. I'm not that good. Or I don't care if you think I'm good. I'm having a good time or, you know, whatever. So there's, yeah, maybe we'll get to it, but there's the freedom. Yeah. The freedom that's there. Yeah. Aaron Keller. Yeah. Well Mm -hmm. done, man. (laughs) I, I'm, I'm just more convinced every week, uh, that you need to write a book. I'll just do it for you. <laughs> Here, Fine. I'll, I'll put it on my refrigerator. <laughs> well, it goes on, uh, continuing about this self-forgetfulness. I just thought of a title for the opposite. Oh, yeah. The slavery of self-remembering. Remembrance? Self-selfishness. Nice. Oh, self-selfishness? Or Ooh. just selfishness? Self-selfishness, I think, would be <laughs> make for a better... Oh, why did he put that? Or... Did, or I think yeah. I know why he did that. <laughs> <laughs> We'll move on. Back to the book. He says, C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity makes a brilliant observation about gospel humility at the very end of his chapter on pride. If we were to meet a truly humble person, Lewis says, we would never come away from meeting them thinking they were humble. They would not always be telling us that they were a nobody because a person who keeps saying they're a nobody is actually a self-obsessed person. The thing we would remember from meeting a truly gospel-humble person is how much they seem to be totally interested in us. Because the essence of gospel humility is not thinking more of myself or thinking less of myself. It is thinking of myself less. Gospel humility is not needing to think about myself, not needing to connect things with myself. It is an end to thoughts such as, I'm in this room with these people. Does that make me look good? Do I want to be here? True gospel humility means I stop connecting every experience, every conversation with myself. In fact, 
I stop thinking about myself, the freedom of self-forgetfulness, the blessed rest that only self-forgetfulness brings. I love the, the, the phrase when he's talking about the gospel humility, that it's not uh, thinking less of myself but thinking of myself less. Because, yes, you know, as Christians, we know, you know, we're sinners, we're wretches, however you want to phrase that. Um, but to the, the importance of this self-forgetfulness and, and, and being selfless and, and an uninflated, a deflated ego, um, you, you don't, to, to think less of yourself there's a balance there, I guess, maybe, you know, and I, and I know as, especially as like reformed Christians and, and anybody with a, a Calvinist bent, um, can very much focus on the scum that I am, <laughs> which to a degree is appropriate and right, but also, and this, I, I don't want to just throw this out there loosely, but we do have some worth, right? I right. mean, Christ died for us, right? So there's some worth there. So it's not just completely, let me think, less of myself that's why i like that let me think of myself less the less that i think of myself not just beat myself down and oh, I'm, I'm so humble because i'm a piece of junk you know but no i'm humble because i'm thinking of others more than i'm thinking of me hmm. that's always a good and maybe you've quoted that or pastor nick at church has quoted that a few times but that's always a good reminder of of how to approach the whole you know self-centeredness versus selflessness i guess right so it's a little bit of both and it's not it's not not thinking of myself at all you know like i'm such a wretch but it's also not i mean i'm amazing uh i'm handsome it necessarily yeah. but it's more in the middle of uh i i think it's actually tim keller who said this before but uh it says when you look in the mirror you shouldn't love what you see mm. but you also shouldn't hate what you see yeah. it should just be a oh there i am yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is who i am yeah and yeah. uh i think that's a really healthy way to look at that because mm -hmm. it's not i mean it's it, oh, what i think would be kind of equivalent to what he's saying here uh but i i thought that that was very good and and that's the humility that only the gospel brings because mm. you don't have any other categories for it otherwise. You don't have a, you're a total wretch without scripture because you don't know that you are that without that. Mm. You might just think, well, I'm not that bad. I'm not a, a horrible person. Uh, but you need that in order to then be built up in the gospel that says you actually do have worth. Uh, it's just not earthly worth. Right. Um, the worth of earth, if you will, it's it's heavenly minded. And so maybe you don't look like what the earth thinks you should look like. Maybe you don't have the same capabilities that would make you earthly better, but you do have heavenly worth. You have these kinds of qualities that are wonderful qualities to have. Meekness is sometimes seen as weakness. Didn't try to rhyme that. <laughs> but it's can sometimes be the most strong thing in the world. But only in Christianity does that make any sense. Only with the gospel does that kind of follow that pattern. Otherwise, it's it'll just be too much self or too little of self. And right. so I'm I'm thankful. Yeah. Did you come up with any more analogies? Not yet. No. Oh, man. <laughs> That's my favorite part of every episode. <clears throat> okay. 
Back to the book. He says, do you realize that it is only in the gospel of Jesus Christ that you get the verdict before the performance? The atheists might say that they get their self-image from being a good person. They're a good person, and they hope that eventually they will get a verdict that confirms that they are a good person. Performance leads to the verdict. For the Buddhists, too, performance leads to the verdict. If you are a Muslim, performance leads to the verdict. All this means that every day you are in the courtroom. Every day you are on trial. That is the problem. But Paul is saying that in Christianity, the verdict leads to performance. It is not the performance that leads to the verdict. You see, the verdict is in. And now I perform on the basis of the verdict. Because he loves me and he accepts me, I do not have to do things just to build up my resume. I do not have to do things to make me look good. I can do things for the joy of doing them. I can help people to help people, not so I can feel better about myself, not so I can fill up the emptiness. How? Because Jesus Christ went on trial instead. Jesus went into the courtroom. He was on trial. It was an unjust trial in a kangaroo court, but he did not complain. Like the lamb before the shearers, he was silent. He was struck, beaten, put to death. Why? As our substitute. He took the condemnation we deserve. He faced the trial that should be ours so that we do not have to face any more trials. So I simply need to ask God to accept me because of what the Lord Jesus has done. Then, the only person whose opinion counts looks at me and he finds me more valuable than all the jewels in the earth. It's kind of cool that that's everything we just said. So like, (laughs) thanks Tim for backing up what we said, but... uh, it was probably because we did a little, <laughs> did a little pre-research and our, our minds were thinking that way. But yeah. uh, the that has to be one of the most amazing images. Mm-hmm. Right? And we've talked about it before in, in a different book, but that courtroom and knowing that it's not just that we were on trial and now we're not on trial. It's that someone took our place on trial and took on, like, heard the verdict, heard the, you are guilty in our place. And so that, next up, it, he could give us the, the, the not guilty, wait, no, I'm getting some of my <laughs> verdicts mixed up here. But he could hear guilty mm-hmm. so that we could hear not guilty. Mm-hmm. That's what I meant to say. It would have been better, but um, that has to be an one of the most amazing pictures of what the gospel is mm-hmm. that we didn't do anything christ said no i i take your place right that's what it was that's that's how we end up not guilty it's not that i did a little bit of good things or i did a few good things i did all of these acts or i didn't do all of these acts and then so god was like hey actually no you're doing pretty good down there you could come to our team I will accept you. I will love you because you have done these things. But it was out of my power completely. Mm-hmm. God saying, oh, you you will be my son. And then my heart comes to life. Mm. And then I hear this verdict. And I'm like, whoa, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I, I should be guilty. And then the whole rest of life is figuring out how to walk that out in life. Yeah. <laughs> and And what a way to... To check our to check our ego to check to, to keep our ego in check, like it's 
it's not like we were in that courtroom and, you know, just like basically like you just said, I, I didn't I didn't find my own. Uh, uh, well, where am I going with that? Like, like I, I didn't find my own way out of that courtroom. Right. You know what I mean? I didn't find innocence. Uh, I was still guilty. I still am guilty in, in a sense. Uh, I, like you said, I, there's nothing I can do. There's nothing I could have done. There's nothing I can continue to do. Uh, where's Where's my ego in that? Like, my ego is in Christ. <laughs> right. I don't know if that's good enough. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, yep. there's what What other way to, what, what greater way to, to show us, hey, you know, keep yourself in check a little bit, but... Again, you have worth. You know, this was for you, but it wasn't because of you. Hmm. You did not do this. Uh, yeah, that's. I mean, that's a great, quick summary of the gospel and what, yeah. like you said, just a beautiful representat- rep- representation uh, of how that plays out. Mm. Yeah, man. And obviously, that that kind of gospel will then free any of us uh, to then say. Hey, you know what? It it doesn't really matter what you think of me. It doesn't really matter what this person or that person thinks of me. It doesn't even matter what I think of me. Mm-hmm. It matters what Christ has said about me, and that verdict is in. And I. <laughs> that is an that's. Mm-hmm. I'm speechless over yeah, that. Yeah. <clears throat> but. That has to give us the most freedom in the world. I, I, I'm, <laughs> my words are everywhere because I'm trying to think of, of a way to. You can't explain yeah, that. How do you, you encapsulate know? that? Yeah. yeah, you can't. You can't. Mm. But it does give freedom because then it's not. I'm I'm not doing all of these things or any of these things in order to uh, number one look good for any person or even myself. But I'm also not doing it to make God happy mm-hmm. i'm doing it because god is happy with where i am in christ mm-hmm. and now i get to do these things mm-hmm. oh man yeah I, I this again it's one of those things that i will continue to learn over and over and over again yeah. and kick myself for not understanding more <laughs> over and over and over again um but it's almost i i have i have a, a bad memory i've had a few concussions throughout life but it's almost like the coolest thing in the world because I get to like enjoy movies <laughs> over and over again. Because I enjoy songs that I like. Oh man, this is really good again. Um, and TV shows, you know, like I, I watch yeah. them a couple of times, and I'm like, man, this is really good. Uh, but it also helps me because that's that's the exact same way I am with the gospel. Mm-hmm. Even without my memory issues, I forget it. Yeah. I amazingly, mm-hmm. mysteriously, my brain sees. That's the most amazing news in the in the entire world throughout all of time history, and I think like, oh, look at this little thing over here. This, <laughs> this might be fun. Yeah. Um, mm. Yet, I, I always get to come back to this and be refreshed and mm. be all of the the emotion, all of the the truth comes rushing back in, and, and I say like, oh man, what have I been doing? Mm. Let me come back. Right. And I and I get to Yeah. Man. The freedom, man. The freedom that's there. Yeah. Like you know, I mean, he mentioned I think just what an atheist and a Buddhist or whatever, like the performance. I don't I have 
more than enough stress in my life. And I've never, I've never been, uh, in any other religion, you know, I mean, born and raised a Christian. Uh, I, I can't imagine if I had to come home from a stressful day at work and then think about, well, what do I got to do for my God today? You know, to stay in right standing or whatever, right. man, this, the freedom of the self forgetfulness is, is nice. Right. <laughs> or if you didn't, yeah. what do you do with that? Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. Man. Well, thanks, Timmy. Yeah. Well done, Timmy. I'm not going to call him Timmy. <laughs> He's Tim. Tim? Timothy. Tim. Timothy Killer. Does he go by what? Tim? He goes by Tim. Sometimes, so. maybe. Tim, if you can just write in and, and let us know yeah. <laughs> what you'd like to be called. Uh, he wrote Timothy on the book. True. Or somebody yeah. did. Yeah. Maybe he doesn't like that. Maybe so. so. Again, if you can just let us know. We'll... Yeah. Mr. Keller. Yes, we will call you whatever you <laughs> Doctor. No, there you go. Yeah, Doctor. Doctor Keller. Yeah, TK. Yeah. Well, obviously, um, I don't. I don't think we would read a book on this show without that also kind of being our inherent or implicit. Uh, you should go and get this and, and read mm -hmm. this if you like it. Yeah. Uh, we recommend it, obviously, um, for the reasons that we have read tonight, but also uh, it's just a great book. So if you would like it. <clears throat> it's again the freedom of self-forgetfulness by Tim Keller but for now when we do find ourselves in that courtroom let us remember that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus and that the verdict over our lives reads not just not guilty not just clean but in Christ and then let us live out of that until next time this has been Aaron Alvarado and me, Jacob Simmons, and we are Made for Another World.